0: Welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklit. I am Kim, your host, and for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklit highlights films, television programs, and stage plays that feature African Americans both in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may or may not impact our communities. So thank you for tuning in, and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today we will discuss the 1964 classic film, Nothing But a Man. It is about an African-American rail worker who goes from town to town because of his work. He comes to a small Alabama town, meets a preacher's daughter, marries her, and settles down. However, in living there, he struggles day to day, fighting for his dignity as a man. Nothing But a Man stars Ivan Dixon. Many of you old schoolers may know him from Hogan's Heroes, a 1960 television series where he played a black POW. He also starred as the handsome African student in Raisin in the Sun, the version that starred Sidney Poitier. It also stars Abby Lincoln, a jazz vocalist, a songwriter, and an actress. Her lyrics have been tied to the civil rights movement and activism. Today, joining us to discuss the film is a multiple television award-winning producer, an art curator, and a photographer, Crystal Whaley. Thank you for joining us, Crystal.
1: Thank you for having me, Kim.
0: (laughs) Well, let's just get right into the film. Um, It was released in 1964, and I have to admit, I first saw it only a
1: few years ago on the Aspire Network. Tell us when you first saw the film. So, um, I'm familiar with the film really through my parents. So this was shot in 63 and aired in 64. My parents were just getting out of high school. So this was a film that they loved, and I had always heard about it. Um, This was a film where it's the first time that you see this loving relationship between a black man and a black woman on the Mm -hmm. big screen, Mm -hmm. the first time that you see intimacy. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really see the film until my early 20s, but I was very familiar with the film before Mm -hmm. then because I just knew it was a classic and Ivan Dixon was a family friend, so I was, you know, really interested in seeing it.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: Now you say Ivan was a friend. Tell us about that, and tell us a fond memory you've had of him. So uh, I'm originally from Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and um, while I was growing up there, it was not, you know, it was not a, a surprise to see different actors mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, folks who were just kind of around my family. And Ivan um, was also a director and a producer. Mm-hmm. He directed um spook that set by the door and mm, also okay. trouble man so okay. he was a family friend really a lovely lovely man loved kids and mm-hmm. just was just around and he decided that he was going to take us to lunch one day in santa barbara mm, okay. so santa barbara and la it's about a two-hour drive but it really is kind of like a 30 minute 25 minute right in a plane oh, okay. so ivan was actor director producer but he also had a plane so he was a, a little bit of a you know an oh, aviator okay. so he decides to take us to lunch and so we drive out to his plane um he actually flew the plane he flew the plane oh, so okay. it was me and my aunt and my cousin and uh, he had us all in the plane he had like a, a six or eight seater it was mm-hmm. a small plane and we were up in the air. He let us, you know, pilot the plane, drive the plane. So it was a big deal for us because we were kids. Oh, okay. Um, and it was an autopilot, right? Of course it was an okay. autopilot because we was just reckless with it. <laughs> and he was just lovely. And so we got there to the, the place where we were going to go to eat lunch, mm-hmm. had a wonderful lunch, uh, you know, by the ocean. And then, literally, ate lunch and got back in the plane. Mm-hmm. Came back to L.A. Mm-hmm. Got in the car mm-hmm. and proceeded to go home. Now, at that point, everybody had the itis, <laughs> so everybody's falling asleep. At you know, you know, in the car, and so mm-hmm. Ivan is in the POV lane mm-hmm. and going. He's all. He also was a speed de- demon, so he's going. You know. Who knows? It's going crazy, <laughs> and so we're in this lane, and like I said, everybody's sleeping, and he's falling asleep. Oh my goodness! And I'm behind him. I'm right, directly behind, you know, the uh, the driver's seat, so I'm hidden, the driver's oh seat. My God. Like, wake up, wake up, wake <laughs> up! He's waking up, giggling. Ah, oh, I'm not sleeping. Resting my eyes for a minute. <laughs> so, you know, he and was how that old time you then? about ten. Oh my goodness! About ten, <laughs> about ten. But it was, I will never forget that because he was just lovely. You know, he didn't have to do that, and you yeah. know, we were just. We were so excited to be in that plane, and we were impressed. He was taking us to lunch. We were in a plane. Like, it was a big deal. Oh, okay. And he was just a lovely person that way. Oh, okay. So in the movie, um, Ivan comes
0: to a church function, and he meets uh, Abby Lincoln's character, Josie. And she starts to date him. And her father, her stepmother, everybody's like, don't date him, because I guess he's viewed as this rail worker who goes Mm -hmm. from town to town, probably has a woman in every port. But she decides to date him anyway. What do you think about that? Why do you think her character decided to just defy everybody and date him?
1: Well, she's a preacher's daughter. So she's a preacher's daughter. Um, You know, there are, you know, politics with that. She's also a school teacher. And he's someone fresh and new. Mm -hmm. And he's his own person. Mm -hmm. And he's independent. And Mm -hmm. he represents to her someone who's different, someone who has a drive, someone who has Mm -hmm. a fire. Mm -hmm. And so I think that she was attracted to him in that way. Um, I think that she was also, you know, kind of playing with, you know, not being the typical preacher's daughter, having some type of excitement in her life. Mm -hmm. Um, She kind of had resigned herself to be this school teacher in this town, in this particular role.
0: And it seemed like the men in that town were very passive too.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, probably she had a fire deep inside of her that she just never let out. And so Ivan comes on, excuse me, duff. yes (laughs) Duff the character comes and he's just first of all he's fine oh yeah and um, (laughs) you know and he just has life and so he what he represents is just something bigger something more Mm -hmm. than what she's been exposed to in that small town yeah yeah I agree Um,
0: also his
1: character
0: uh, courted her for a short period of time before he decided to marry her what made you think that you know what do you think about him just making that decision so quickly and
1: settling down with her I think for that time period, that's what you did, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you went away, you went to school, you got a job, you came back, and you got married. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you didn't go to school, you absolutely got married mm-hmm. at 17, 18 to get out of your, mm-hmm. you know, your parents' house. So that was the social norm. Um, I think for him, um, Josie represented something that he had been running from something that he actually wanted and didn't have in his own personal life. When you look at the film, you see the character. You see, you find out later that his mother passed when he was a young boy, Mm -hmm. that his father was pretty much a Rolling Stone and not in his life. So she represented something that was safe, something that was sacred, something that he really kind of wanted deep down, but you know, just wasn't able to really kind of voice that. And Mm -hmm. so when she was open to him, He felt that it it felt good, and Mm -hmm. why not do it?
0: And it seemed like she was open to him, no matter what his flaws were. Right, because you know everybody was saying, you know, be careful of him; you'll embarrass us. But you know, she didn't care. She was open to love this man, and maybe he saw that and was willing to take. Yeah, yeah. And she represented home. So let's talk about the relationship he had with his father. I thought that was very interesting Mm -hmm. because, in the same way, he went to, to. see his father, he actually had to identify himself mm-hmm. to his father. Mm-hmm. So what parallels do you think that his relationship with his father that he played out in his own life?
1: Um, I think that his father, the, the 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 parallels are that, you know, just moving and running. Mm-hmm. Um, either it's running from, running away from something mm-hmm. um, or possibly running to something. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, because he did not have that anchor of a mother and a father mm-hmm. um, in, in the traditional sense, whatever you know, you want to say the traditional sense is, right. that father not being in the house and that father not being in his life, he was kind of, you know, you know he was a copy mm-hmm. in the sense that he was searching and looking and, and, and moving around mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, um, and him having to identify himself to his father during that time, if your father wasn't in the house, that's what you had to do. Right. Because, exactly, you know, right. people, you know, they had you know, mm-hmm. they had extracurricular children all over the place, yeah. as yeah. they still do. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs>
0: and he did, too. It was interesting that he had, but a four-year-old son
1: yeah. mm-hmm.
0: that it seemed like he barely knew, too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When he went to visit him, right. it was like, that's him back there. You know, he was sending money, right. but there was no
1: relationship whatsoever. And that was like a full circle kind of... Um, Moment for him mm-hmm. um, because he could not identify the boy. He did not, he was not sure of the paternity really, but mm-hmm. he was just, you know, um, going about what he had been told, mm-hmm, so he had mm-hmm. been doing the right thing in right. that sense. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, him discovering this boy and f- kind of quelling um, a feeling of a longing yeah. to be his father mm-hmm. and also, you know, just a, a, a connection. Mm-hmm. He had it, but he didn't really want to feel it because he didn't know for sure and he was again replicating what his father was. So let's talk about when he finally settles down in the town.
0: Um, he starts working at a wood mill. And it's very interesting his relationship with the other blacks there. Mm-hmm. He tries to organize. They don't seem to be uh, interested. Um, the white men come in there and basically taunt him and say mm-hmm. any old kind of thing. And the other African Americans just sit around and watch. You know, How did you feel about that? How did that make you feel? What did you think about that scene?
1: Um, I think that is, you know, very reminiscent of the time, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just blatant, blatant, you know, racism and oppression and just hatred, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the, the the blacks that were there, you know, they were in their lane. They mm-hmm. knew, they didn't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. They wanted everything to kind of be the same because of the fear, you mm-hmm. know, because of the fear of lynching during that time and, right. you know, what have you. So, he was a different type of man mm-hmm. you know which kind of brings it back to the title nothing but a man you mm-hmm. know he was a different man in the sense that he was going to stand and resist and it, you know it didn't really matter what the consequences would be because he was going to be human he was mm-hmm. going to be a man mm-hmm. and you were not going to stand you know and just oppress him you right, know just like that you know ra- you know right. just kind of you know in his face like right.
0: that because it, it made me kind of angry when. Um you know, he was trying to organize them, and this was when the white person wasn't in the room. Right. And somebody actually went back and snitched mm-hmm, on him, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, come on. Okay, you don't have to go with it, but why do you have to snitch? Yeah, there's always got to be a snitch in there, mm-hmm, right? Always mm-hmm. somebody who is just, somebody. you know,
1: scared with the tail between his legs yeah. and just, you know, can't get with the program. Exactly, yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. And he but, was heartbroken by that, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because he felt like he was trying to make life better for them. And, right. And to repay him, they snitched on him right. and just squashed the whole thing. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. So um, let's talk. They had mentioned in the movie about a lynching mm-hmm. that had happened like eight years prior. And you can tell that the African Americans that lived there were traumatized by right. it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, why do you think Duff's character wasn't afraid? Even though he stood up for himself, there was a real possibility that he could get harmed or killed. Well, mm-hmm. why do you think that didn't deter him from standing up to himself?
1: I think because um, he was just he was different in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because he had been moving around mm-hmm. and was only accountable to himself and, right. and only and not committed to anybody mm-hmm. else, he really had the luxury, if you mm-hmm. want to call it the luxury, to stand up and be like, Yeah, I'm not doing that. Right, exactly. And so whatever comes my way, let it be. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm just not going I'm a I'm a fight. Right. So, right, right. you know, he was very sure in himself as, as retaining his humanity. Right.
0: It's very interesting. It reminds me of a saying that my mom always says, before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave. Absolutely. And. Um I always hear my mother say, who grew up in that time, mm-hmm. says, "You know, I never thought I'd live to be an adult." But I think the spirit of a lot of African Americans who were really standing up to people—they were willing to die, absolutely—for and you they know,
1: understood, you know, sometimes it, you know, it, you know, historically it might take a generation to die mm-hmm. in order for things to get better. In and order so for things to get better, exactly. For Dove's character, he was that type of man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was willing to risk it. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's talk about his, he had his boy in the gang uh, that was played by Koto. And Now, you know, I had forgotten that he was in the movie, but mm-hmm. it's, it's good to see a young uh, Yafik Koto in there. But his character was not pleased at all
1: that Duff was getting married. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that was? I think he was player Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> I think that he, I think he and, you know, the other guys were a little jealous because, you know, they were all um, part of that same crew who was moving around mm-hmm. from city to city. No one's committed. Mm-hmm. Um, no one has an anchor anywhere. And really, you know, you know, secretly, you know, and deep down, they really did want to have some type of connection mm-hmm. to something, to some place, to mm-hmm. someone. And for Duff to be, you know, the main one, mm-hmm. you know, just doing the main, his main thing, player, the main. Cause he was one. the most handsome one of the bunch. He was the finest one. Yeah, and was able to wrangle all everybody. <laughs> For him to find somebody and for him to decide that that's what he wants to do was like a slap in the face to them. Because mm-hmm. they were like, oh, wait a minute, you're you, you changing up the game. And he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. well... Because they probably got his leftovers. Oh, they got <laughs> them all the time. They got that the party time. was over. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I think, you know, um, for, his char- for, the, for the friend character, um, I think that he was just a little jealous yeah. and really wanted that from himself. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, there was a scene in the movie where uh, Duff and Josie went on their first date and... They were in a park. They had parked the car. They were talking, and these two white men came up to the car. Um, And they were going to start some trouble, but then they Mm -hmm. recognized Josie as a preacher's daughter. So apparently the preacher had a good relationship with some of the leaders, the white leaders in the town, and they decided to back off. How did that make you feel? What do you think would happen if they didn't recognize her as a preacher's daughter? Oh,
1: you know, everything. Mm-hmm. Everything would have happened. She would have been sexually assaulted, or worse. He would have been beat up, or worse. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's it's you know very blatant, very in your face um, of what that was at that time. You know, but we can you know we can equate it to what's happening now. It's just mm-hmm. you know not quite covert, right? You know, it's getting to be mm-hmm. that blatant mm-hmm, mm-hmm. once again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, because her father was a pillar, you know, in that society and they were trying not to have any issues with the blacks in the town, mm-hmm. you know, they, they knew they, that, that they were not the ones.
0: Even with all the stuff going on in the town, Duff, when he gets married, he decides to stay in the town. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people made this suggestion that he move. Uh, one of the things that happened was when he was trying to organize at the wood mill, he got fired mm-hmm. and he was blackballed from any decent paying job and the only job he could get was like to go to pick cotton which was minimum wage right, back then. Right, right, uh, But at the, the very end he decided to stay with his family. Why do you think that is?
1: I think he decided to stay because that was a place where they actually made their home. Mm-hmm. So when he and Josie first got together um, and of course her parents and everybody was against him. They c- went to this space, this house, this little broke-down house. They created everything in there. They made their furniture and made it all beautiful and made it made a home. And mm-hmm. so for him, he was like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to run. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to stand up and resist it. here in this space. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be with this woman who, you know, th- that I love, that I have a connection with. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be that man.
0: Yeah, um, in 1964 in that town, it's probably typical, the racial climate there. Mm-hmm. Can you draw parallels to what we're going through today in terms oh, of yeah, race? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, that was, you know, very in-your-face and very blatant. Yes. Just, you know, just hatred. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in the same space. And, um, you know, it's it's the same type of volatile mm-hmm. kind of, you know, um, energy, volatile, you know, space in people, mm-hmm. uh, where people are. Um, and just, you know, the attack on humanity, you mm-hmm. know, so there is very much a parallel. And mm-hmm. there's very much a parallel of Duff's all over the place who are standing their ground and resisting. Like, okay, yes. we're mm-hmm. not doing this. We're not yeah, repeating yeah. history. Right, because you know, we not, have more Duff's now
0: than they had back then. We have all the Duff's. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now this is one thing that we liked about the movie, because we made a comment that the extras mm-hmm. in the movie seemed so real. They were yes. not actors. <laughs> Tell me what was the
1: realest scene Okay, so the realest scene is when Duff went to go look for his his four-year-old boy. So mm-hmm. he's been sending money to the baby mama mm-hmm. who has moved on to Detroit mm-hmm. and has left the boy with her cousin. Mm-hmm. And there's some place in public housing, something, you know, <laughs> wherever, in two-story little house. And so he goes to the neighborhood, but he, you know, he's, he's coming to pay the boy a visit. Just mm-hmm. take a look at him mm-hmm. at least, you know. And everybody on the porch looked like they were just from that. Like, basically, it looked like they just had put a camera in the project. Yep. And was like, okay, y'all, we got dinner for you. We got craft service. Just do what you just do. do what you do. <laughs> do what you do. Don't wear any stripes, you know, yeah, and just know, you know, know, do what you know. do. So when he comes into the room, you know, to, you know, hey, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, about time you get here. Mm-hmm. And she, she meaning the cousin who's taking care of, of, of his son and all her kids. Yeah. Are, you know, that was very real. Yeah, Cause they very basically real. just came in somebody's apartment in their living room and say, and okay. moved over the curtain yeah. to look at the boy. <laughs> yeah, the curtain for a door. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So that was the realest because people we were yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> that Let me was say, the I
0: thought one of the realest scenes for me was when they went church.
1: Oh, yes. And, yes. and yes. the people were
0: getting the Holy Ghost. Now, yes. I used to live with my grandmother when I was younger. Yeah. My, my parents were in college, and she would take me to church like three times a week, yes. and people would get the Holy Ghost. I remember when I was younger, I would be staring at her, waiting for her to get it. But I was around it a lot. right? And I know how they work themselves up, work the spirit in them. Yes. They get the Holy Ghost. And when I saw that on the
1: camera, I said, that is not faith. Right. And especially that preacher. When mm-hmm. he was preaching, he was really preaching. So He we, was really preaching. So they just put that camera, camera in there and say, just in do there what you do. And, and they had a service. Yeah. I was waiting for the ladies with the white uh, dresses to come over <laughs> with the smell and salts. I was waiting for them to appear because it literally yes. was that. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely that. It was mm-hmm. it was real.
0: Mm-hmm. So since it's so real, I was kind of uh, surprised to find out that a Michael Romare, who is not an African-American, actually wrote and directed the movie. Um, he is Jewish, and he wrote the movie based on him being a Jew in Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what you think about that, all the relationships. you know, I start with
1: I think you know, Jewish people and black folk, and that is black folks around the diaspora really have a lot in common in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, systematic oppression and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, dealing with and and experiencing, you know, uh, genocide, really. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think there is a parallel there. And so, they are, they meaning Jewish folk and folks who have been oppressed have um, a common language. Yeah. Now the other thing that we liked about the movie was the soundtrack. Yes. And they
0: had a Motown soundtrack. Yes. I had read somewhere that um, the writer and director went to Harvard with a lawyer who was actually representing Motown at the time and he okay. negotiated this deal. Uh-huh. And pay Barry Gordy five thousand
1: dollars to. Well, apparently, movie. I did a little bit of research too. Apparently, Stevie, little Stevie Wonder, at that point mm-hmm. was the musical supervisor on um, "Nothing But a Man." Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. so so that made sense, right? Yeah, so yeah. he was because um, if you if you once you see the the movie, mm-hmm. you'll have a you'll see a lot, you'll hear a lot of Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder. Mm-hmm. You'll hear a lot of Motown, but you'll hear a lot of his mm-hmm. early first album. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so um, as you guys can tell, Crystal and I really absolutely love this movie. So I'm going to ask Crystal, for somebody, I know it's many people out there who have not seen the movie, what would you say to them to make them want to look it up and want to see it? Oh, uh,
1: Nothing But a Man is a classic. It is the first time that you will see a and really cinematically, it's the first time that you really see a loving relationship between a black man and a black woman that is not exploitive, mm-hmm. that is not over sexualized, mm-hmm. that really is unique in a sense that is ordinary. You mm-hmm, know, mm. you know, so you see you see people that you know who are in love who are in this space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see um, you know, a man coming into his own, a woman coming into her own. You see them being a married couple. You see Mm -hmm. the tenderness Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it's a beautiful film. Mm -hmm. It's really a beautiful film Mm -hmm. Um, and it needs to be seen. It needs to be seen on the the big screen. Yeah, definitely. I would love to see a theatrical release of it again. And it's really, you know, it's also a study of um, black masculinity Mm -hmm. um, and kind of um, our families um, and and, and really kind of a a really beautiful fabric of how we are as a people. but really, you know, that, that love story mm-hmm. and that black man and that woman mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. jumps off the camera because you have not seen it right, before right, right. before that time. Right. And it's just a beautiful thing to see. It's a gem. It's beautiful. Because yeah. one of my uh, favorite scenes is when they ha- have this embrace. And it's like, how many yes. seconds? Yeah, So that embrace is epic because he's coming back. He's coming back home. He's coming back to his woman. He's mm-hmm. coming back to his anchor. Mm-hmm. He has manifested in the sense that he is that man he is the title is nothing but the man but he is the man at that point yes he is and he has grown into that person Mm -hmm. and he's bringing his four-year-old son back and they're preparing for their new family and when they embrace it's real she's not acting it's real it's real and and the embrace is it's almost two minutes yeah like I feel like yeah. you know, Because yeah. and I'm like real mu myself. I'm like, ooh, okay, you know, it almost you know it brings tears to your eyes because uh-huh. it ends in that way and it's in and, and it and that's it. and it's yeah. just and that kind of encapsulates everything that this film is right, about. Right. um and it's just a beautiful moment, yeah, because I love how it uh, shows
0: intimacy without all the sexual. You know, I think that's uh, that's what I love about movies about that time, that you can really tell the story of intimacy between a man and a woman without, you know, throwing your clothes off right. and all this heavy right. sweating and stuff. Right. And to me, that's very beautiful. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And
1: the first time seeing, you know, black folks being mm-hmm. intimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, in a healthy relationship. Even relationship. though they had
0: arguments because that's natural for yes. a relationship. Yes, but and it
1: shows both sides, yes. absolutely it does. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get too crazy, but it does show a relationship a very real relationship yes, very real. and it's not where the man is oppressing the woman or, or is dominant mm-hmm. over the woman or is sexualizing the woman mm-hmm. it is something that is you know is a it's a beautiful depiction of a man and a woman yeah it is loving each other yes mm-hmm.
0: so everybody uh, we highly recommend that you see nothing but a man it's a beautiful story between an African American woman and a man and a man Fighting for his dignity and standing up for his rights, regardless of the consequences. So that's our time for today. Until next time, consider yourself Black Lit. Thank you.